I've been coming to youth gatherings actually for a long time. My first one, I won't tell you when, but I was going to be, an, I was going to be a, a freshman in high school. Okay, so I was going into ninth grade. Give me some love, freshman. Where are you at? Freshman, freshman. All right. Um, in 30 days, you're going to go into high school. Okay, so with confidence, give me some love, ninth graders. Going to be ninth graders. Going to be ninth graders. Come on, make some noise. Okay, all right, all right, that, that's okay. So um, my first youth gathering was in San Antonio, Texas. I was going to be a freshman in high school. And since that point, every three years, you know what's been amazing is that youth gatherings have proved, proven to be very transformative, very helpful, engaging, deeply enriching, and challenging experiences that have been what I'm going to call catalysts to my faith. Because here's the thing. You don't live your life on a youth gathering. You know what I'm saying? You're going to go back to wherever you came from next week, and life will go on in certain ways. But your life should be different as a result of the experiences that you have had here. And that's why I call it really this catalyst or catalytic event. And that's part of why today's topic really digs deep into the things that will apply to you starting today, but throughout the gathering and even more importantly, as you go home, next Tuesday morning, next Wednesday morning, next Thursday night, next Friday afternoon, I want to invite you to think about these things. Because I've had to think about them a lot in my own life. Uh, as John mentioned, um, my name is Ryan Peterson. I grew up in the great state of Wisconsin. <laughs> Lived 10 years in Missouri, okay, and then uh, I'm starting year seven in hashtag pure Michigan, there we go, there we go, um, actually my, my wife Christy and I, you'll see up here, isn't she lovely, yes, when you look around the gathering, and you're like, that beautiful woman, that's Dr. Peterson's wife, there she is, okay, Christy Peterson, uh, so Christy and I met uh, at Concordia University, Wisconsin, married, moved to St. Louis, yep, that's right, CU Dub, and, uh, and that picture right there, like, let's be real, it's a really nice picture, but life doesn't always look like that for us, okay, and here's why, we have four kids, all right, we have four kids, um, this picture was actually just taken a couple of days ago, I actually swapped that picture out, I had another family photo in there, and my wife's like, really, you're going to use that family photo, so I swapped it out. That was from a vacation, like I said, like three days ago. Okay, so that's up Porcupine Mountains. There it is. So um, we are in the Porcupine Mountains right there. Uh, my oldest son, Andrew, is 11. Kyle's 9. Alyssa is 7. And there's Miss McKenzie, who just turned three years old. Who, by the way, little fact, at the last youth gathering, who was in New Orleans three years ago? Okay, McKenzie was like four weeks old. Okay, youngest person at that gathering. Um, so now she just has turned three, and, uh, and there we are. But l life is real for us, but life is full. And so again, this topic that we're talking about today, the decisions you make today about a topic like this will impact, truly will impact, the rest of your life. It's going to impact the rest of your life. Now, speaking of Mackenzie, so, I mean, the other kids are cute, but she's the, like, cute, cute one. When you think about, when you think about life, you know, there's moments of joy 
There are great moments of joy. I want you to think for a moment, and uh, if, you're, if you're a note taker at all, either on your phone or padded paper or whatever, uh, in your gathering Bible or wherever it might be, I want you just to write down right now just a time or a moment of joy in your life. So when have you experienced joy? Like the, hey, we're smiling, we're laughing, you know, life, life is good, I'm kind of forgetting about some of the other problems that are going on around me. Life is good. Life is joyful. Life is fun. When have you experienced that? Contrast that with this, okay? Life is not always filled with joy, okay? That same cute Mackenzie who was laughing, 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 and then this morning in our hotel room touched my wife's curling iron, and she was screaming like that. And we grabbed the ice, and we got the cold water, and stuck her hand in there. And she's, she's fine now. It's all good. But it was a very unhappy moment, OK? On that same piece of paper, when in, when in your life have you experienced frustration, confusion, chaos? Frankly, things that make you want to cry, things that made you cry. When have you experienced that? You got the moments of joy, but they have moments like this. See, here's what I know about life. Okay, here's what I know about life. And I'm, you know, I'm not an old dude. I'm not a young dude. Kind of right there in the middle. You know, I started at Concordia uh, seven years or six years ago, going into year number seven. I started, I was 33 years old. Okay. And I said, you know, to the 18, 19, 20, 21, by the way, some of my students or graduates now, okay, are around the room. I was like a big brother at that time. I'm not a big brother anymore. I'm not the dad, but I'm not a big brother. I'm kind of like the uncle, kind of like the young uncle. You know, still the young uncle, now 38, almost. The, I don't know if I'd say young, cool uncle. You know, that's, that's up to them to determine. But I'm like the young uncle now, OK? Here's what I know about life. And this is probably what you know about life, too, which will frame our conversation today. Everyday life has challenges has chaos, and frankly, is confusing. And I thought last night's mass event put that in front of us in a very, very real way. And at this gathering, where we are focusing on what it looks like to worship, to honor, and to live in the presence of a real, present God, we see how the challenges, the chaos, and the confusion of life are real. They're, they're real right there in front of us. And again, you know, for you during this session, because this is an intensive session, if you want to just jot down your own thoughts along the way, maybe some of those challenging times, confusing times, chaotic times, do it. Okay? J just write them down. You're going to gain, gain more from this session if you do that. Okay? Because for us, as, as a family, and in my own life, and I'm going to share some of those experiences, this has been so true really true a few years ago. When my wife, Christy, um, I had been out of town for a couple days, and I, I came back, and we were at a Concordia football game on a Saturday afternoon. And it was later that night, Christy's uh, family was in town, her parents were in town, and, and she just wasn't feeling very good. So she fell asleep on the couch, which is really uncharacteristic of my wife. Okay, usually, I'm the guy who falls asleep on the couch. You know, She's you know, doing some other stuff, but she fell asleep on the couch. 
I went up to bed, and it was shortly after midnight when my father-in-law came and, and woke me up. Hey, Ryan, Ryan, get up, get up. You need to take Christy to the ER. We live just, we live in Ann Arbor, best college town in America, okay? Great medical places all around. St. Joe's Hospital is right down the road. And so we say, get in the, she's in the car. You need to take her to the ER. And when I got to the car, my wife could hardly talk. I couldn't understand anything that she was saying. By this point, she couldn't form any sound. Because it was as if her throat was closing in. And so we got to the hospital, and within a few minutes of being in the hospital, by the way, uh, that Miss McKenzie, this happened shortly after that last youth gathering. So we've got four kids, youngest, three or four months old. And they intubated my wife. Intubate is to put the tube down the throat. Okay, she didn't have a tray, but tube went down the throat. And my wife, Christy, remained in that position like that for five days in the ICU. And that was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. But that's just, that's just our life. What about your life? Maybe you've not had this, or maybe there's a different version of your story that you see in that picture. You know, maybe something with a family member or with a friend. Have you ever gotten a text message that said, we were in an accident? Your parents came in, and like we heard last night at the mass event, your parents came in to tell you that your friend died in a car accident that night. Or that somebody that you knew from school but didn't know that well had a major family issue. Or maybe you are the one who had or has that going on in your life. You see, if everyday life is challenging, confusing, and chaotic, we all have pictures like this in our mind. We all have pictures like this in our mind. And for a while there, we didn't know what was going to happen. We were unsure what the next step of life was going to be. You know, it's been a journey. It's been a journey over these past few years. But I tell you what, one of the greatest moments, one of the joys for me is seeing this. When, when that tube came out and that little Mackenzie was right there, right there, able to be again with her mom. But there's this, and there's that, and there's everything that's in between. So here's, here's kind of the deal for today. When we face these types of challenges and chaotic moments in life, I believe that it can, it can send us this way or that way. Okay, so I'm going to give you kind of two options today to think about. Here's two options for you to think about. Chaos in life can lead to either confusion because of your circumstances, or, on the other hand, and, and here's where I'm going to invite you to go today, recognizing that we're, we're all at a different, different place in our faith journey, recognizing that we all have different backgrounds, recognizing that our families all look different, our, you know, what, what we view and how we see the world is different, we can, we can live confused, or, or, I'm going to invite you to have confidence today. I'm going to invite you to have confidence because and in Christ. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, 
honestly, I'm not quite sure why you're here. You know? I mean, you saw a title. You saw a description. You saw a name. You saw the other options, right? And there are, there are some really good ones. But you're here. So I, so I think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume for a moment that maybe you're here because you are, you are at least somewhat interested. Or maybe, like me, you've struggled with having a consistent time in the Word of God. Maybe you've struggled thinking about having a consistent devotional life. Maybe you've heard your pastor say some things, or your youth leaders say some things, or your parents say some things, or a high school teacher say some things, or a trusted mentor say some things, but, but none of it's worked for you. I can't promise that everything I'm going to say, like put it into practice and boom, yep, like silver lining, it's all good. Because as we learned last night with the answer lady, it's not about cliches. It's not about the quick answer. But it is about the God who is really present with us in our life, in our struggles, in our joys, and all the time. So here's kind of the, the entry into my own life. I'm going to show you a part of my house, okay? Right there, okay? The red chair on that, on the right. <laughs> That red chair, is it too weird to say it's like a sacred chair? Is it too weird to say that like that chair is like my like chair? Because that's my chair. Um, it's not a pretty chair. In fact, our kids say we have really ugly furniture. Okay? And, and they, they want us to get rid of it. Um, this chair was actually given to us um, uh, not, not too long ago. But it's quickly become a sacred space in my life. Because on that chair, every night, you know what I do every night on that chair? What do you think I do every night on that chair? Fall asleep. Um, yes, but before I fall asleep, what else do I do on that chair? I don't watch TV because the TV is hanging on the wall above the fireplace, like right there. So that's not the TV chair. What else do I do? Do I read my Bible? You give me too much credit. I read to my children right there. Now hold on to that thought. Every night, my daughter Mackenzie and I, she says, Daddy, well, are we going to go to the red chair? Red chair. Daddy, red chair. And we read books in that red chair. And then I fall asleep, okay, right there in that red chair. Um, and she kind of falls asleep on me. But it's actually what happens there usually in the morning that's even more significant. That is sacred space and time with God. That red chair. Now, what's magical about the red chair? Nothing at all. There's nothing special about a red chair, okay? And uh, for all my friends from Nebraska, wearing the red shirts, okay? All right? Red's a good color. It's a color I normally wear. Concordia Cardinals are red, right? Um, so, so I like the red chair for that reason. But there's nothing special about that particular chair other than, for me, that's the sacred space. And as we talk about today, remaining in Christ through the chaos of life, part of today, and we're going we're to get to strategies later, but part of today, just as we frame it, does actually have to do with space. It has to do with space. And that space might not be a red chair for you. It might be your bedroom it might be a place, you know, in the car. It might be your favorite park. It might be, it might change. 
It might change. It could be a variety of different places. But the space really does matter. Really does matter. Now, I haven't seen that red chair for over a week. Because for the past seven days, my family's actually been on vacation. We were in the Porcupine Mountains, hence, hence that other photo. And while we were there, does everyone know where the Porcupine Mountains are? Of course you don't. If you're not from Michigan, you don't know where it is. So if you think of the UP, that's like up near the North Pole, kind of up there, all right? Um, you go way over there, and then you go on the west side of the UP, there's the Porcupine Mountains. Now, mountains, right? Who's from Colorado? Any Colorado? Yeah, give me some love. Colorado? 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 Hey, welcome our friends from Colorado. Yeah. You know, you know what it's like to have mountains. Um, the highest point here is 1950, like 1,950. 1, but they're called the Porcupine Mountains. And while we were there in the Porcupine Mountains, we did a lot of hiking. Now, my three-year-old Mackenzie, she wanted to walk quite a bit, but, but, we also did this a lot. Here it is, straight from the minivan. Okay, all right, there it is. Now, you'll notice a couple things about this uh, backpack here. It's a visual for you. Number one, it's not brand new, it's well worn. In fact, um, it's broke. There's a, there's a thing over here. See that? It's broken. And whenever Mackenzie, like in that photo right there, I'm smiling, but what you don't see, right? underneath her feet is this piece, not in the kidneys, but right in the butt, like right here, just kind of jammed in there, okay, right there, kind of lower back, top of my butt, okay, it's right there, but she's smiling, and her little baby Eddie, who came along on every hike that we went to, Eddie is clearly smiling, does anybody else agree, that's like the ugliest baby, right, I mean, look at that, it's scary, scary looking Eddie, right, how many of you guys have like an Eddie at home? Thank you. How many of you had an Eddie growing up? Yeah, yeah. Was your Eddie as ugly as this one? Oh, man, that thing, that thing. Yeah, Eddie. But Eddie came everywhere, and, uh, and Mackenzie would, would be on my back, and I would be carrying her. And I loved the first mile. The first mile was awesome because, you know, we're cruising along, and I can guarantee you that picture was taken within the first 100 yards right there. Okay, so there we are, we're hiking, and it's all good, and we're going uphill, we're going downhill, and, you know, she's, she's there, and she's happy. But that about mile two, mile three, she got pretty heavy. She got pretty heavy. You know, she's not a big kid, but she's, she's heavy enough that going up and down with Eddie, we know, with, you know, half-pound Eddie on, on top of it, okay, <laughs> that was, that, 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 that was plenty, Okay. I tell you that and show you that to tell you this. As we talk about devotional time and remaining in Christ through the chaos of life, there's going to be a temptation in this room for you to think another thing, another thing. They want me to go to church. Go to Sunday youth group. Want me to be in a small group. And now this. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for another thing. Okay? Most of you in here are probably pretty involved in different things in life. And that's all good. 
So I'm naive if I'm standing up here and saying, well, yeah, you know, and this and this and this and this and this. And, and it's easy for you to say, and you feel like Mackenzie, you're just kind of on your back, all right? And, and it starts out good, right? But then we hit August, and football camp starts, or volleyball begins, or new school year starts, and it's like, I don't have time for this. That's why we need to go, we need to go deeper. We need to go deeper than simply saying, try this, try this, and try that, okay? That's why it's called intensive. I'm not just going to jump to, here are three strategies for how to do this. I really want to unpack with you a little bit more. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we only view devotional time as another thing to do in an already busy schedule or an overwhelming schedule, and um, don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. But how many of you feel overwhelmed right now? Don't raise your hand. And if it's not like right now because you're, you're here, okay, some of you feel overwhelmed right now here. But how many of you feel overwhelmed thinking about going back there? If this is only about another thing to do, any new attempts aren't going to last long. And frankly, that's where I've been. I have more journals that I have bought, started, written in the first six pages, and put on the shelf, never to be used again. I mean, literally, I mean, if I had any room in that minivan, I would have brought them along, but, you know, week vacation beforehand, no room, okay? Literally a stack of them. So I've been there, done that, okay? When I thought, oh, people said you should journal. Yep, you should journal. Oh, people say you should do this. Oh, you should do that. Oh, yeah, I got to do this. Oh, yeah, but I should prayer journal, right? You got a prayer journal. Oh, I should do that. And none of it stuck. So we've got to go deeper. If we understand the why, that's how we're going to break down. This is how the session is going to look today. If we understand the why and are willing to embrace the what, then we can be open to how a devotional life can transform our lives. Because here's what I want for you. I want, I want you to be rooted. I want you to be rooted. Now, you might not be able to see it because of the lights, but there, that's an uphill. Okay, that's an uphill. And uh, there's Christy and, and Alyssa, our seven-year-old. They're climbing up, but they're doing it by actually climbing on roots because the roots are exposed. And, and, and you wouldn't believe, you know, in a place like this with the trees like that, the number of roots that you see. And then you just imagine how much more is even below the ground, right there. I want you to be rooted. And I want you to be rooted because everyday life is challenging, chaotic, and confusing. And in the years ahead, in the years ahead, and please, talk to your youth leaders about this. In the years ahead, you will have to navigate some really choppy waters. I serve on a college campus. I see this every single day. I, I encounter students that struggle all the time. Ask one of the young adult volunteers about it. I'm sure they'd be willing to tell you too. You're navigating really choppy waters, tough circumstances, and so you want to be rooted. Okay, so for those of you who are like outline people, here's our goals for today. 
Okay? Why does this matter? What does this look like? And how do I do this? Why does this matter? What does this look like? And how do I do it? That's what we're going to unpack. What is this? Why does this matter? We've got to start with the why. What does this look like? Whoops. And how do I do this? With, with this ultimate promise to you. Okay? And I believe this was actually in the description, so I want to make sure to give this to you today. I want you to walk out of here in a few minutes with an action plan. And it's going to be an action plan in prog progress, okay? But an action plan for digging deep into a Christ-centered devotional life. Digging deep into a Christ-centered devotional life. All right, you ready to take off? You know, there's a, there's a lot of analogies we can use today. Rooted, grounded, you know, standing firm, whatever it is. Frankly, pick, pick whatever's helpful for you to think about. Okay, pick whichever one is helpful for you to think about. And then we're asking, why does this matter? What does this look like? And how do I do this? So let's go to the why. Okay, it all starts with the why. Why does this matter? Here's why it matters. Real life is really hard. I'm going to give you three reasons why this matters. Why, why this, this topic and what we're talking about really matters. Because real life is really hard. Real life is really hard. If you have a Bible, and you think you probably all do, go to John chapter 16 with me. John 16. John 16, verses 25 through 33. John 16, 25 through 33. I love this section of Scripture. John 16, 25 through 33. Um, prior to my current role at Concordia, um, I used to be the campus pastor. And the opportunity to, to, to walk with students in that way, looking at verses like this, was so, so meaningful. I just love it. And I want to take you through this. John 16, 25 through 33. If you ever think that Christianity is a kind of fluffy religion, read John 16, 25 through 33. If you think Jesus is, is the kind of dude who walked around and just kind of like made all the bad stuff go away, read John 16. John 16, 25 through 33, we see reality, we see, we see trouble, we see chaos, we, we see that we live in a world of broken promises and tough conversations. The, wor the words of Jesus are not in red, okay, so, so you don't look for that, but these are the words of Jesus. Oh, and by the way, context is king. What's the context of this section of scripture? Who knows? As, yeah, Last, last Supper, um, so this is the night before Jesus dies. Hours before Jesus dies. And his disciples said, thank you. Aha, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered. What is Jesus referring to there? Yeah, when Jesus undergoes trial and, you know, and they're, they're out. You know that guy? Remember Peter? Peter around the camp? You, you know that guy? You, you, sound, you sound like you know that guy, right? Oh, okay. Did you go to a youth gathering? Where were you last week? Oh, you were, were you at a youth gathering? Oh, no, I was just on this trip with my friends. Oh, what'd you do there? Oh, nothing. We just, we just kind of hung out. 
Like, are, are, you willing, are you willing to step in and to say what happened and how God, God did something in your life? Anyhow, side note, here we go, okay? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Isn't that amazing? Our real, present God also is not alone. But verse 33, one of my favorite verses, let's read it together. I'm actually, you're reading from the ESV, most of you? I'm reading from the ESV. If you're not, it'll just sound like Pentecost. Okay, we'll all just start, you know, just start, start talking, okay? So verse 33, let's say it together. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in the NIV, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Like that, that statement right there, that sentence, what a powerful reminder to us that even though Jesus went to the cross and Jesus suffered and crucified and died and was buried and on the third day rose again and has ascended to his Father in heaven, guess what? On this side of eternity, until the Lord returns, in this world, you will have trouble. It's like, amen, Jesus, right? Like Jesus, Jesus doesn't just brush, brush it under the rug. He acknowledges it. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And by the way, the most important word, you know, if you're in your Bible right there, circle that little letter, I. The most important word is that letter, I. Jesus is the one speaking. You see, if real life is really hard, okay, here's what I love. Jesus doesn't minimize your struggles. He declares victory over them. Jesus doesn't minimize your struggles. Jesus is not the answer lady. He doesn't minimize it, doesn't, you know, push you away. Yeah, next, next, next. He declares victory over them. So why does this matter? Because real life is really hard. Why else does this matter? Because identity theft is real. Identity theft is real. Here's why this matters. Identity theft is a real thing. Um, there's probably a number of us in here that are struggling with our identity. We're struggling with our identity. We're questioning who we are. We're questioning what, what our purpose might be. Maybe we're not even that far because we're wondering if we even have one. And, and for some of you, it might be sexual identity. For some of you, it might be uh, various life issues. It might be a relational identity. It might be a, an identity of your family and how you fit or feel like you don't fit in it. See, identity theft is real. And again, Jesus spoke about this. Go to, we're hanging out in John. Let's throw it in reverse and go to John chapter 10. Go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. But that those couple of, couple of verse, or those couple words before, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And, and that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. Satan ain't happy that there's a party going on in Minneapolis right now. I was actually thinking about this last night at the Mass event. And then at the Toby Mac concert afterwards. 
thinking, oh man, like you talk about target on the back of Christ followers, like boom, it's there. Because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking those whom he might devour. I mean, this is a real thing. This is a real thing. Here's what I love. Um, the Summer Olympics a couple of years ago, okay, uh, these guys, medal winners, okay, but beyond medal winners, their testimony. Steele Johnson said, knowing that my identity is rooted in Christ and not what the result of this competition is, just gave me peace, gave me ease, and let me enjoy the contest. What if, what if we could go back to school in the fall? Knowing that, knowing that there's AP classes coming and college decisions to be made and teams to try out for and homecomings to prepare for and proms to wait to be asked to and there's all that stuff going on, right? But what if, what if we could go into there with peace? Not, not perfection, okay? Not on this side of eternity, but peace. And it would give you ease. And it would let you, and maybe enjoy is not the right word, but it would let you just, just be. Just be fully present in the presence of a real present God. Hmm. Why does this matter? Third reason. Because this is our theme. God is our refuge and strength. Let's read this together. Why does this matter? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, I want you to read that with me and just emphasize the words as, you, as you're speaking it with me that really matter to you, okay? So, like, look at it. Like, what in, what in that verse gives you joy, gives you comfort? Okay, what words really matter? A very present, a very real present help in trouble. You see, here's another way I want you to think about our theme, real present God. If you think about the real as the junk, right? Like, we, we, we have junk in our lives. And, and because, we, because we worship a real God, a real present God, we can be real. We can be real with our real present God. Psalm 13, you know, other Psalms that, again, we should, talked about last night at the Mass event. Psalm, 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 Psalm. Complaint Psalms, you know, praise Psalms, all those Psalms. You're, those psalmists are being real before God, okay? Because God's not intimidated by our questions. God's not intimidated by our doubts. God's not even intimidated by our anger. Like, when, when, when we're frustrated in those moments. So we can be real, and we have a God who is present, and that God comes to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. The, the works of God in Christ Jesus. So, so why does this matter? Why does this matter? Do you remember? Why does this matter? Number one. Oh, it's like my class back in uh, Concordia. <laughs> awesome. Okay. All right. Why does this matter? Because real life is really hard. Why does this matter? Identity theft is real. Why does this matter? Because God is our refuge and strength. So, so we can talk about like, oh, man, like life, life is hard. Life is chaotic, and life is crazy, and life is confusing. But why does this really, really matter? 
Because we have a God who is our refuge and strength and ever-present or very present help in trouble. So if that's the why, that's the why, and again, we've got to be grounded in the why, what does this look like? Some of you are like, finally, let's get, to, let's get, get on with it, Peterson, okay? But, but hold on, okay? What does this look like? Well, I'm going to say something that, like, I kind of, honestly, I wrestled with it, whether or not I should say it. But I'm going to say it, I think it's true. The Christian life is not about simply growing stronger and stronger in my faith. I think sometimes we get this idea that it's like, got to get stronger, got to get stronger, got to get stronger. Come on, stronger faith, stronger faith, stronger faith. And I think by doing that, we actually end up putting this backpack on that gets heavier and heavier and heavier because we feel like I'm really not getting stronger in my faith. Or if I were getting stronger in my faith, I wouldn't struggle with porn anymore. If I were stronger in my faith, I'd stop sleeping with my girlfriend. If I were stronger in my faith, I wouldn't have such a potty mouth. If I were stronger in my faith, I would know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. If I were stronger in my faith, I wouldn't think that my parents' divorce is because of me. If I were stronger in my faith, I would volunteer at my church. If I were stronger in my faith, I would actually care what my youth pastor said, whatever it might be, okay? And we think, like, if I were only stronger in my faith, I would do this, this, this. I actually think... That Christian life is more about becoming more aware of my failures and sins. And thus more aware of Jesus' strength and his deep love for me. And so when we're honest with and about ourselves, we see the depth of Jesus' forgiveness and his love for us. So it's not about, you guys, it's, it's not about Got to climb the ladder of spiritual growth all the way up the mountain. That's not it. Maybe instead it's this. If I'm down here recognizing that I'm broken, and that I'm sinful, and that I struggle with. And by the way, think about what you struggle with. And I'm thinking right now about what I struggle with. You know, one of the things that I struggle with, I can get really anxious in certain settings. You might be thinking, what are you talking about? You're like up front, you know, just keep talking. But I can get anxious in certain settings. And I can get, I can get frustrated with other people in certain settings. Anyone with me? Okay, how many of you flew here? Anybody fly here? Okay, raise your hand. Okay, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Um, how many of you guys like airports? If, you're, if you flew here, how many of you like airports? Okay, um, everyone raise your hand. Everyone raise your hand now. Okay, keep your hand up if you like airports. Okay, so hey, you can put your hands down. So I, I kind of like airports. You know, like I, I actually fly quite a bit. And, um, and I, I like airports, but... I am at my worst at airports. Just telling you. I'm at my worst. And, and, and here's why. And I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I, frankly, I'm trying to like figure this out a little bit more deeply in my own life. But like, I, get really, I get really ornery and really crabby at airports when things don't go my way. So all of a sudden, there's a flight delay. And then you know, I'm sitting in the last, last uh, seat in the plane. And I'm this and that, and I get really, really ornery, and it kind of hit ahead a couple of months ago. My wife and I were flying, and we had already been delayed, and we were getting on the plane, and we were literally the last two people on the plane. 
And my wife's like, why are we the last two people on the plane? I'm like, because I'm too cheap to buy the tickets where you pick your own seats. Anyone else? Okay. All right, all right. I'm too cheap for that. So put me wherever you want, right? And, uh, and so, you know, put wherever you want. Back row, doesn't recline. Four-hour flight, yep, one of those deals, okay? Um, and, uh, and, then, and then I hate checking bags. Anyone else with me? Oh, I hate checking bags. Number one, you have to pay for it on a lot of airlines, not all, okay? But on a lot, you do. And more importantly, like when I get home, I want to be home. I want to be home, right? So I don't want to sit around baggage claim. Anyhow, first world problems, I get it, okay? But, but hear me out on this. So I never check bags. My suitcase is slightly bigger than a, like a real carry-on, okay? But I'm too cheap to buy a new one, so you know I, I keep using it. Well, the, the person, this airline will remain anonymous, okay? <coughs> Not Delta, because I like Delta, but another one. And um, you know, we got there, and we're the last ones on, and they said, sir, you're gonna have to check that bag. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't check this bag. We need to, we need to get home. Said, no, you're gonna have to check this bag. And my wife said, we're not going to check that bag. Don't talk back at airports, okay? It's just bad life habit, okay? And so we're kind of going back and forth a little bit, and then um, the woman said, and that garment bag you're carrying, you're going to have to put that in your suitcase. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that, okay? So my wife put the suitcase on the ground, and she jumped on it, like, you know, kind of sat on it, trying to squish it a little bit. Now people think we're crazy, okay? <laughs> All right? And uh, anyhow, finally we got on the plane. Finally we got on the plane. We're the last ones on, shut the gate, and we get to the way back. And um, we go in, and we're kind of talking, and we're kind of like, yeah, can you believe it? And this nice lady, you know, let us in, and we're in the middle and aisle, or middle and uh, window seat. And we start talking to this person. And again, we're kind of, again, a little cranky. And uh, this person said, oh, where are you going? It's like, oh, we're, we're heading back to Detroit. It's like, oh, um, OK. And, and then she noticed I was wearing a shirt that said Concordia. And then she said, do you work at Concordia? I said, I do. And she said, I'm a graduate of Concordia. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And we started talking more and more. And basically, bottom line, is I gave a terrible witness to my Christian faith in that setting. So let me kind of, let me reel it all back. Why did I tell you that? Because I told you up here that I have struggles too. And that's one of them for me. And, and whatever yours are, okay, what if the Christian life was actually more about a God who comes down to us to meet us in our struggles, in our pain, and in our questions. And it's when we see him there that we see the depth of his love and his forgiveness for us. So what, what does this really mean? Well, go to Romans 7 with me. Okay, go to Romans 7. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. Go to Romans 7. Romans, New Testament. Romans chapter 7. Who wrote the book of Romans? Yell it out. Paul, okay. How many letters did Paul write in the New Testament? Yell it out. A lot. 13. 13 is the correct answer. Who said 13? 
Who said 13? Ooh, a bunch of you said 13. I'll give you a t-shirt after to cover that one you're wearing. Okay? Well, we'll do that too. All right. So Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Okay? So nearly half of the books in the New Testament Paul wrote. But maybe, maybe one of the most significant ones is this book of Romans. And Romans chapter 8, by the way, is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Not Romans 7. But Romans 7, kind of the prelude to chapter 8, says some really significant things. And, you know, Martin Luther called this simultaneously saint and sinner, right? You, we live, we live. Simul ustus epicator, okay? Fancy Latin for simultaneously just. In other words, like we've been justified by God because of his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. And, by the way, in this world you will have trouble. Like we, we still are broken, sinful people. You see, Paul understands the severity of the struggle, right? I mean, can anyone resonate with this? Like, the good I want to do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do, I do. Ah! You know, like, what, what, what do I do? You know, verse 20, verse uh, 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that, I'm a, that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Like, what am I going to do? So if you're here today and you're struggling with a certain sin, the fact that you recognize it, the fact that you recognize it is really, really significant. Okay? And now what we're going to talk about the rest of the way, I think will help you on your life journey. Because verse 25 says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Then if you keep reading... Because remember, um, before there were chapters and verses, guess what? This is a letter. So it just keeps going. There is therefore. Therefore. See that word therefore? If you have your own Bible, circle it, highlight it, underline it, star it, do whatever you want. I tell my students at Concordia, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, pay attention. It's there for a reason. It is there for a reason. Whenever you see a therefore, it's there for a reason. What's the point? In the midst of your struggle... This struggle of living as saint and sinner? Know this. Know this promise. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That you're not, your identity is not in your sin. Your identity is not in that. But it's in who Christ claims you to be and calls you to be. He is yours and you are his. I am who he says I am. Not what my friends say, not what my job says, not what my parents think, not what my siblings think, not what my coach said to me before I left because I was going to miss basketball this week. I ain't, a, I ain't that, but I'm what Jesus says. I'm what Jesus says. I, I am who he says I am. So, so we have this struggle of living as saint and sinner. Here's the other thing, though, okay? And we don't have time to go there, but I just want you to mark this down. Galatians 5. Sometimes, Galatians 5 is all about freedom in Christ. So, so as a believer, okay, and if you're here and you would call yourself a believer, you know, then you have this freedom in Christ. But sometimes we're tempted, honestly, to let that freedom give us kind of a free, free pass to laziness, a license to laziness, where it's like, eh, confirmed, 
National Youth Gathering, double check. Going to church the week after the youth gathering, triple check, okay? Freedom in Christ is not a license to laziness. Rather, freedom in Christ is an invitation to wholeness. It's an invitation to the whole life. It's an invitation to, to living differently. It's not an invitation to having the perfect life, but it's an invitation to more. And here's the third key reality. Real people have real problems. Read the book of Genesis. You want some crazy stuff. If you thought, how many of you guys think you're, you're, wait, if your parents are in the room, don't raise your hand, but how many of you think your families are crazy? My wife's family is crazy too. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. My family has elements of it, okay? But, uh, but you know, uh, our families are crazy. You know what? If you want to read about crazy families, read the book of Genesis. Like, things, like you, got, you will seem normal as can be, all right? But, I mean, real people have real problems. So what, what advice does Paul give us? Well, let's read this together. Oh, man, I'm so bummed. It all looked good there. We'll go right there, okay? All right, let's read this together. This is Paul writing to Timothy, which, by the way, Timothy... Young leader in the church. Oh, wait a minute. Where are we at? A youth gathering. What are you? You're a leader. You're a leader in the church. Don't let anyone say you're the leader of tomorrow. You are leaders of today. So if Paul's not writing to Timothy, maybe think he's writing to you. In this context, he is writing to Timothy. But also remember these words. Let's read them together. Have nothing to do with irreverent silliness. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Pause right there. Whoa. Train yourself for godliness. Um, did anybody, like, go running or work out this morning? Yeah. All right. We're the ones who obviously didn't stay up late enough. Okay. All right. So I did a little four and a quarter mile run this morning. Um, you know, why did I do that? part of training. Okay, what am I training for? Life. Tra training just to, to have energy, right? But I do train. I run half marathons quite a bit, all that kind of stuff. And I know that I do better when I'm on a training plan. Not everyone operates like that, but I know for myself I do. Train yourself for godliness. Let's keep, keep reading. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You see, your Christian faith matters today and for the life to come. It matters right now. What day is today? Friday? It matters for this Friday, and it matters for next Friday, and it matters for all of eternity. It matters. It matters. Okay? Now, I want to go one more place with you, to the Gospel of John. Okay? Back to John. And now we're going to go to John chapter 8. The words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Okay, the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. We already looked at John 16. We looked at John 10. But let's go to John chapter 8. Because we're going to see a word in here. And if you think about the title of this session, Remaining in Christ Through the Chaos of Life, John chapter 8, verse 31, gives us another word here. And depending on, you know, the ESV says abide. The NIV says remain. Okay, so we're going we're to put this together here and connect the dots. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. 
Okay? Let's, let's read this together. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you... Wait, 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 wait. If you... If you what? If you ignore... If you forget about, if you think maybe tomorrow, if you abide in my word, let's keep reading, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, if you remain in my word, jump to John 14. Flip a couple pages, John chapter 14. Context here, again, you know, upper room, uh, night before Jesus dies, Jesus is talking, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right before that, though, he says this. He says this. John chapter 14, verses 4 and 5. Actually, you know what? Let's start at verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that, that where I am you also may be. And you know the way, the way to where I'm going. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jump down to John 15. And look at verses 4 and 5. John 15, verses 4 and 5. Let's read that. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. How often do we, do we jump into our days and just say, I got this. Like you, you got this. If it doesn't kill you, it'll make you stronger. Okay? Or you just, come on, keep pushing, believing yourself, believing yourself, believing yourself. There are elements of that that can be true. But if we start our days thinking we got this, we quickly realize we don't got this. Jesus says, abide in me. So, so here's, here's what, I've, what I've kind of reflected on, okay? Um, when I remain in the word of God, so... In seasons of my life where I've been consistently in the Word of God, okay, and again, like, now is the time to kind of get really honest about this. So we're about to move into, like, now what? I haven't always been consistent. <gasps> You're a pastor. You're a pastor. You know what? I haven't always been good about this. Sometimes my devotional life has been more for sermon prep than for sanctification and growth. It's been for getting ready to tell someone else what actually God had to tell me first. I'm just being honest. It's probably true for, for some of us in this room and for those of us who have, who have struggled with it. I just, I just want to reflect with you. When, it, when I remain in the Word, here's what I know. Because this is what the Word tells me. That Christ died for me and lives in me, Galatians 2.20. That I'm never alone. Why? Because we have a real, present God. I am with you always to the very end of the age. That I am forgiven. And even in this struggle of living a saint and sinner, I'm actually, I'm a saint. And I still struggle. But I'm a forgiven sinner. 
My value is not what I do. This is a biggie. Or even how well I did it. Or could I add how, how poorly I did it? Okay? Like your value is not in your AP score. It's not in your GPA. It's not in the amount of college scholarships you get. Your value is not in your boyfriend or in your girlfriend. Your value is not in any of that. My value is not what I do or even how well I did it. My identity is in Christ alone. It's in Christ alone. So go back to, remember that picture of my wife in the hospital? What if she had died? What if she had died? Would I be okay? I can't predict what would have happened. But my identity is in Christ alone. My identity is in Christ alone. So here's, you know, hold up your hand. Hold up your hand, okay? Because now we're, now we're jumping in. Now we're jumping in, okay? So hold up your hand, okay? There are multiple ways for us to engage with the Word of God. And I, I just I want to give you five, okay? To hear it, okay? Um, if you don't know, great Bible app. Of course, many of you probably use the YouVersion Bible app. Okay, YouVersion Bible app is the most popular Bible app out there. Let me give you another one, Dwell. Dwell is another Bible app. It's just all audio. It's all audio, okay? So if you're someone who you learn best, you engage best by listening, okay? Hearing, hearing, Dwell audio, um, um, Bible app is really good. Read, read, okay? So hear, read. How many of you love to read? Wow, that's impressive. I'm telling your English teachers. All right, you really do like to read, okay? Um, so what would it look like for you to, to read? You have your gathering Bible to read. And we'll talk about phones or not phones when it comes to Bible reading in just a minute, okay? Study, study. This is like Bible here, commentary here, Bible here, Wikipedia, no, not Wikipedia here, okay, all right? Bible here, like, and, you know, ask your pastor, ask your youth leader, ask your parents, ask someone you trust. I'm happy to give advice, too, about this, but you're kind of, you're studying it. So it's not about, like, I got to get through it, right? I got to read this chapter. It's about, like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of chewing on this. And then memorize, memorize. Why is it important to memorize scripture? Here's the example he used. I will never forget it. And I'm celebrating my 20-year high school reunion this year, okay? Old dude, okay, right? So Brad said, when you're in a moment of temptation, you want the word of God to be forefront in your mind, you know? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee from sexual temptation. Hmm, wait a minute. So I'm a senior in high school. I'm sexually tempted. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to pull out my Bible in that moment. Just saying. Kind of a mood killer. You know? Okay? But, but, you know what's going to come to mind for me? Flee from sexual temptation. 1 Corinthians 6. Memorize. Memorize. You're going to leave here, you're going to know Psalm 46 inside and out, upside down. Like, you're going you're to know it. And that's really, really good. Don't stop there. And then finally, meditate. Chew on. You know, what does it really mean that God is our refuge and strength, that he's like the, yeah, right, right there, a very present help in trouble? 
Like, rather than just jumping to verse 2, just sit with that for a minute. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, verse 1. Just, just sit with it for a moment. Don't rush on to verse 2. Just sit with it. All right. Let's go to the how. Okay? You can grab a seat. We're going to go to the how. How do I do this? How do I do this? Okay. My commitment to you is that when you walk out, you're going to have, you're going to have some ideas about an action plan. And I want you, especially if you're a note taker, either on your phone or in your Bible or in your journal, whatever, like, or take, take pictures of these next four screens, okay? These, ne- these, final, these final four to five screens, take pictures of them, okay? Like, this is so, so important. I've got no copyright on this, okay? This is, like, this is all for you, okay? Take pictures of this. How do I do this? How do I do this? Wait a minute. How do I do this? We're not perfect, Okay? And this is not meant to be perfect, but this is to help us take a next step. So how do I do this? Step number one. I'm going to do this in, in four, four steps, okay? Be honest about the past. Be honest about the past. So here are three questions that I want you to kind of chew on. Okay, and again, either write them down or take a picture. Step one, be honest about the past. What has your devotional life looked like? What disappointments do you have about it? Like, you know, I shared with me, I, I have bought more journals that have six pages written in them, and then they go on the shelf. What lessons did you learn? What lessons did you learn? You know, what lessons did you learn going from 40% to 90%? Okay, like those would be the, the key things. I just want you to, I want you to think about it. And you don't have to have this all figured out tonight, okay? But just begin to ask the questions. Second thing, okay, plan your approach. Ask others what works for them. Ask others what works for them. This might be, for those of you who are adult leaders, maybe a good thing to talk about in family group time, on the bus ride home, in the airport, rather than getting in trouble like I do, you know, do, do that. Okay, ask others what works for them. Block time. Okay, can I tell you something? You know that, go back to that red chair. My son Kyle sat on our family vacation. Yeah. Every day I wake up and I see dad drinking his coffee in that red chair, reading his Bible. I'm good. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, like, to me, as a parent, that's what matters the most. I want my kids to be able to have an example so that they can do the same. Now, I don't do it perfectly, but my, my morning routine, my block time, my block time, I just know, like I've messed with this different times. I have to get out the door and run. And then when I get back, I like a sweaty Bible study, okay? How's that for weird, right? Like, you know, I, I got like, you know, sweaty. And, and I love hot coffee after a run. Anybody else? I mean, I'll drink, I, drink, I drink three glasses of water, but then I hit this on the coffee maker. And so then I go from, I go sweaty shirt to red chair. So that red chair is actually pretty nasty. So if you ever come to my house, don't sit in it, okay? Um, but, like, I, that's my block time. That's my block time. Guess what? Oh, yeah, you got to think about this. Phone placement. By the way, where do you put your phone at night? of you will probably say right next to my bed. Amen? Amen. Stop it. 
All right? I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Now, I don't want to get, like, health on you, but I want to tell you this, okay? Um, I used to sleep with my phone right next to me. But I knew, and maybe this is me, maybe you don't struggle with this, but every time I woke up, I would check it. Anyone else? Be honest. Liars, come on. Uh, you, some of you are more disciplined than me. Okay, all right. But I would check it. So I actually sleep now with the phone downstairs. I, I put my phone to bed 30 minutes before I go to bed. I tuck it in. Tuck it in downstairs, and then I go upstairs to go to bed. And I sleep better because of that. I truly believe it. Okay? But all that is aside to say phone placement. Where will you have your phone during this time? Now, if you're going to use your, the Bible app, okay, you're going to have it in front of you. But I'm actually, I, you do what you want. Okay? One, a cliche statement is you do you. But this kind of, kind of true here with phone placement, right? But I have found personally that having my phone in another room is much better for this. So that phone came with me on my run because I listened to music. But now it's back. I tucked it in for a nap. It worked hard. Went on a run. So uh, now it's taking a nap. Now, here's this fourth point. Experiment. Here's the key word. Experiment with various spiritual practices. I want you to think about spiritual practices as a range rather than a list. Okay? So often we're like, you know, I got to read my Bible, and I got to sing a worship song, and I got to journal, and I got to pray, and I got to do this. Okay? And we think about a list. But hey, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So it's not about the list. Think about a range. Think about a range. You know, some seasons of your life, you might journal. Some seasons of your life, you might memorize. Some seasons of your life, you might read. Some seasons of your life, you might meditate. Okay? Like, it depends. Guess what? You have freedom. Think about it as a range rather than a list. Here we go. Bible reading plan or no plan? Are you someone who wants to play like Bible roulette? Ready? 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 Or tell me when to stop. Tell me when to put my finger down. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. That's interesting. <laughs> Psalm 84, at least in the book of Psalms, right? Like, okay, so, um, but, but think about for yourself. Are you someone who likes a plan? Like, it's okay to admit that you like a plan. You like a plan? You, you like a frame. Ooh, that's nice. Okay, so say more about that. You like a frame. Okay. Yeah, right. So not like strict plan, like I'm going to read these, this chapter and a half but I'm going to hang out in the book of Genesis and do this. Yeah, frame. That's a great way to think about it. Thank you for sharing that. Frame rather than strict. Some of you like strict, okay? We're like, you might pick a book of the Bible, or you might be on a, a yearly reading plan, or this is where version is really helpful. It'll give you various plans, even topical plans, okay? But, but think about this for yourself. And then kind of the last question is old school best. What's old school? Your phone is put away, and you're using a paper Bible. Using this, okay? Um, how many of you read your Bible primarily on your phone? Raise your hand. How many of you read your Bible primarily like this? How many of you wish you read your Bible more? Maybe that's why you're in here today, okay? 
Is old school best? Mm, it might be. Again, you need, to, you need to wrestle with this, okay? My experience with my red chair is that underneath what you didn't see maybe was there's a Bible and there's two devotional books right there. There's not a journal there. I actually have a journal at work that I, that I will write in occasionally. But I have my stuff right there. It's in that spot so when my sweaty self and my cup of coffee goes there, I'm ready to go. Okay, so you want to plan your approach. And then here's the thing. You might go from 40% to 80%. You might do it most days. <laughs> but I just want to, like, take a picture of this. You guys, like, remember the why. Because you're not always going to do it right. You're going to forget about the how. You're not going to remember all the what's. But remember the why. When people lose their way, sometimes it's because they've lost their why. And they're like, why, why, why is this so important? Why, why does God invite me to do this? I think, and those aren't the only reasons, but those are three, I think, pretty, pretty significant ones. And, and maybe, maybe I didn't say it before, but let me say it here. This is all rooted in the gospel, not in the demands of the law. This is in the freedom. For, for, for freedom, Christ has set you free. You've been saved. You've been saved by the blood of Jesus. Jesus' invitation for you is to remain in him, to abide in him. You don't have to navigate the chaos of this life alone. He walks with you. You see, maybe the better way to even think about this is that in everyday life, God actually walks with me. God's walking with me. You know? I don't need to carry the full load because God's walking with me. And I need the promises and the reminders from God's word as I go through life. Because his word, by the way, promises about itself that when it goes out, it won't return empty. So as you read God's word this week, it's doing something in here. Okay? As you face decisions and, you know, if you care at all, I'm speaking at 4 o'clock on decision-making the next few days. And, and frankly, being in the word is a guide for the decisions that you're going to face in life. Okay? Finally, step four, start. Start. Just start. Start. Or continue. If you're doing it, just keep going. Okay? Start today. Maybe with the Psalms. Maybe if you're a, if you're a frame guy, okay? Psalm 46 is your frame for the next four days, all right? And, and don't just read it, but you're going to memorize it. Commit to memorizing it. Meditate, okay? If you're taking notes during this session, I want you to already, as you're thinking about your action plan, because your action plan is going through these four steps, okay? Start today maybe with the Psalms. Accountability, I'm going to call them teammates. Surround yourself with teammates. Um, maybe it's a group of three or four. Maybe it's someone that you're here with. Maybe it's not. You know, I mean, you, you know your own relationships in your own life, okay? But surround yourself with teammates, and as you do that, you celebrate the fullness of a life in Christ. You celebrate the fullness of a life in Christ. Let me give you just uh, in these last minute and a half some final words of encouragement. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. These are words of encouragement I want to give you as you, as you go on this journey. All right, you got 1 Timothy 4, verse 12? 
Would all you guys stand up? And I want you to read it together. Okay, 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no one look down on you. Let no one despise you for you. Stay standing. Okay? You're leaders of today. To be rooted in the word of God today. 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture. Not some of it. Not, not our favorite parts. All. All means all. God's word to you. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you that in your word we see you, a real, present God. We see the action and the work of Jesus Christ, the love of you as our Heavenly Father, the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we, we haven't always gotten this right. We don't always get it right. But I pray that your spirit would move in this room and in us in such a way that we would desire to abide in you rest in you, remain in you at all times and in every way in these days ahead. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to bless this gathering. Thank you for every, every youth, every adult in this session. Guide them according to your word and according to your path. In the name of Jesus, amen.